Good morning, everyone. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. The reading today is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and the side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. The Lord be with you. Now, in the church calendar, uh, we are still in the Easter season, even though we celebrated Easter last Sunday. You see, Easter season will end in six Sundays' time when we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And as you know, Pentecost was the day when the promised Holy Spirit was poured out on Jesus' disciples. And in the power of the Spirit, the disciples would continue the mission of Jesus to take the gospel to the ends of the world. Now, the Apostle John tells us that it was on Jesus' first resurrection appearance to his disciples that he gave them this mission, the mission to take the message of the gospel to the ends of the world. And this is what we will learn as we continue our study uh, with the second half of chapter 20 of John's Gospel. Now, we know that the first part of chapter 20 tells us about the discovery of the empty tomb, which we looked at last Sunday. And we learn that Mary Magdalene was the first witness of the resurrected Jesus outside the tomb on that first Easter morning. And with overwhelming joy, she returned to the other disciples and told them that she had seen the risen Lord. Now, if the other disciples had any doubt of her story, 
they would soon confirm her testimony. For in the evening of the same day, Jesus would appear to the other disciples. So the 11 apostles minus Thomas are gathered in a house behind locked doors. And they are still afraid of the Jewish authorities. And it is in this situation that the reason Jesus appears among them. Jesus walks right through the locked door and stands among the disciples. Now you can imagine the fright the disciples got. But Jesus assures them with the customary greeting, saying, Peace be with you. And he shows the disciples his hand and side to tell them that he is indeed the same Jesus who was crucified two days ago. You see, Jesus wants them to know that he has indeed risen from the dead. And the disciples, of course, are overjoyed. And Jesus then says, Peace be with you a second time. Why a second time? Well, it is because Jesus wants his disciples to know that he has brought them the peace he promised in the upper room on that evening of Bondi Thursday. You may remember Jesus giving uh, them the promise in John chapter 14, verse 27. John, uh, Jesus says, Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to the world, uh, to you as the world gives. You see, the peace Jesus promised the disciples is peace with God. And this peace is now theirs through his death and resurrection. And the disciples are now to share this peace <clears throat> with others. And so Jesus commissions them with these words in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You see, the Father has sent Jesus on a mission to bring peace to this world. And now Jesus is sending the disciples on the same mission, on the same mission to bring the gospel of peace to the ends of the world. So this is John's version of Jesus' great commission that we read in the gospel of Matthew. And John tells us four things about the mission that the resurrected Jesus is giving his disciples. First, the mission is to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Second, the mission is about proclaiming the message of the gospel, which promises peace with God through the forgiveness of sins. Third, acknowledging Jesus as Lord and worshipping him as God is the way to respond to the gospel. And the last point, the fourth point, you find that people will be blessed when they believe Jesus without seeing him. Now, these four aspects of Jesus' mission apply to us even today because we too are given this mission to bring peace to the ends of the earth. So let us consider each of these aspects of our mission. First, we are to do Jesus' mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus does not send his disciples off to do mission 
in their own strength. No, He empowers them with His Spirit. So look at verse 22. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this verse has generated controversies among commentators. And the issue is this. Did Jesus give the disciples the promised Holy Spirit behind locked doors? Now, from other parts of the Bible, we know that Jesus had previously taught His disciples that the Holy Spirit will come on them only after Jesus has ascended to the Father. And from the book of Acts, this happens on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter. Yet here on Easter evening, Jesus seems to be giving the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And Jesus has not yet ascended to the Father. So how are we to make sense of this? Now, some Christians interpret this verse as the first instance the disciples received the Holy Spirit. And the disciples would later receive the Holy Spirit a second time at Pentecost. And so these Christians teach that all believers receive the Holy Spirit in two stages. The first stage is at our conversion, when the Spirit gives us the new birth and regenerate, regenerates us. And the second stage is when we are baptised with the Holy Spirit and we speak in tongues. So that is the teaching, but I think this cannot be the right interpretation. And the reason is because the disciples are already born again in, back in chapter 15. If you were to refer back to chapter uh, 15, Jesus told uh, or proclaimed his disciples, minus Judas. He proclaimed the disciples that they are clean. So they already have the Holy Spirit. So the interpretation that this is the, the, we receive the Holy Spirit in two stages cannot be right. Now the best way to understand this verse is to take Jesus' action and his words as a symbolic gesture, a symbolic gesture to his disciples. Jesus does not actually give the Spirit, but he is acting out, acting out the promise of the Holy Spirit that the disciples will receive on the day of Pentecost. And the book of Acts tells us that it, is, it was only after the disciples had received the Holy Spirit that they set out on the mission to proclaim the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. And so it is clear to all of us that mission must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. We must never try to do ministry in our own strength or even live our Christian life in our own strength. And how do we know that we are living or doing ministry in our own strength? Very quickly, if you don't pray, if you are proud about your ministry, or if you find uh, or you are easily defeated, easily giving up. So these are signs that you are doing ministry or living out the Christian life in your own strength. But we are not meant to do that. We 
are meant to live out the Christian life, do ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we must remember that Jesus has empowered us with the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel and live out the gospel. So this brings us to the second aspect of Jesus' mission. We are to proclaim the gospel of peace. And peace with God comes only after the forgiveness of sins. So we are to preach the message of forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. And that is what Jesus tells his disciples in verse 23. <clears throat> if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, of course, the disciples have no power in themselves to forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And God has forgiven the sins of humanity through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so the disciples are therefore to preach the message of the forgiveness of sins in Christ. Whoever believes in Christ will be forgiven. Whoever does not believe in Christ will not be forgiven. So this too must be our message today. We are to tell people that God is in the business of forgiving their sins through Jesus Christ. But is anyone interested? Is anyone burdened with their sins? Sadly, not many people. Not many people are interested in the forgiveness of their sins. And, and not many people feel that they are burdened by sins. Why not? Because our culture today is an affirming culture. You see, we are told to affirm ourselves of who we really are, who we think we really are. And the world tells us we are basically good. And if we are true to ourselves, true to our basically good nature, we are unlikely to do bad things. But if we do bad things, it is because of other people. It is because we have been oppressed. It is the fault of others that we do bad things, not ours. So many people do not think that they need the forgiveness of sins because they don't have the right concept of what sin is. Sin is not just doing bad things or wrong things. Sin is not just failing to do good or right things. Sin is basically rebelling against God. It is ignoring God and refusing to believe in God. And when we want to have nothing to do with God, we are actually throwing away the internal GPS we need to navigate through life. Now, all of us are familiar with what GPS is. We have an internal GPS, and if we reject God, we reject the internal GPS that will navigate us through life. And this is what sin has done. Sin has corrupted our GPS. And therefore, we are not able to navigate through life properly. We are mixed up about what is right and what is wrong. 
We are mixed up with the meaning and the purpose of life. No wonder we are confused about our identity. We are confused about almost everything, our biology. And all this confusion has probably contributed to the rise in mental health problems. So scripture tells us that the greatest need for humanity is the forgiveness of sins. Our GPS needs to be reset, to be recalibrated. And only then can we navigate life the way God wants us to live. Now, how then can we let our non-believing friends and family know that they need the forgiveness of sins? Well, we can tell them the gospel, but more often we have to wait. We have to wait for God to do the work in their lives, to open their eyes, to see their own sinfulness and admit their need for forgiveness. And so we need to pray. We need to pray for our uh, family and friends that they will see the need that they are sinful and that they need forgiveness of their sins. But Christians too need to know that. We, just because we are Christians, we, we must not think that we don't need forgiveness anymore. You see, as believers, we still do sin. And we must not pretend that we don't struggle with sin. We do. Many of us do. Some of us may struggle with, with pornography. Or we may struggle with greed. Or with pride. And we may struggle with idolatry. Putting things first before God. We may struggle with worldliness. One thing like that. Now when we do fall into sin on account of these struggles, we need to repent and we need to ask for forgiveness. And how many of us walk through the door this morning with a burden of sin? Well, maybe you have confessed your sins before coming to church, and that is good. But if you have rushed to church, uh, we have that provision for everyone to give them the opportunity to cast their burden on Jesus during the service. And that's why we have a time of confession at the beginning of the service. And we get to hear the absolution. Because this is not just a ritual. It is spiritual reality. We all need the forgiveness of sins. And Scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us on the cross. And so people may ask, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And our answer is that Jesus is not just a man. He is also God. And this is what people need to acknowledge if they are to respond to the gospel and if they are to receive the forgiveness of sins. And so we come to the third aspect of Jesus' mission. We are to help people acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and we are to help them to worship Jesus as God, just as Thomas did. So we go back to the story in the text. 
the, when the reason Jesus first appeared to the disciples, uh, Thomas was not there. And Thomas did not believe that the other disciples had seen the Lord. So he said to his dis the, the other disciples, uh, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Now, many of us are like Thomas, aren't we? We must see before we believe. We are rationalists. We trust our eyesight. And if we don't get to see for ourselves, uh, we are suspicious. Now, sometimes it is right, it is the right thing to do to ask for visual evidence. Okay, for example, a bank officer may ask you for a photo ID before he releases money to you. But there are other instances when we can believe without seeing. Now, we can depend on the evidence of eyewitnesses, other eyewitnesses. But Thomas seems to be unwilling to accept the eyewitness evidence of the other disciples. So he thinks that the other disciples might have been hallucinating. So he will only believe when he sees the risen Jesus with his own eyes. And so a week later, Thomas is, on, is with the other disciples in the same house behind locked doors, and Jesus comes through the door again and gives his peace greeting. And he addresses Thomas. And we are not told how Jesus knows about Thomas' doubt, but Jesus tells Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now Thomas does not need to reach out to touch Jesus. He knows he has been foolish to have doubted. He kneels in humility and in an attitude of worship. He acknowledges Jesus with these words. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Now this is the acknowledgement of Jesus we all need to make if we are to come to faith in Him. Because this is Jesus' identity. It is who he really is. Jesus is Lord and he is God. So friends, if you're not ready to acknowledge this, you're not ready to be a believer. And your sins are not yet forgiven and you do not have peace with God. But if you are ready to confess Jesus is Lord, all this will change. When you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, Jesus now is your master, your new master. Before, you were slave to sin and you follow your sinful desires to tell you to do whatever you want to do. But with Jesus as your new master, he has redeemed you and you listen to him. And by his death, Jesus paid the full penalty for your sins. And your sins are forgiven. And you're set free from slavery to sin. And you're free.
to please Jesus in your life. And by His resurrection, Jesus gives you new life with a new heart, a new heart that will want to please Jesus, a new heart that will worship Him as God. And it is entirely appropriate to worship Jesus as God. You see, when Jesus worshipped, when Thomas worshipped Jesus, Jesus did not refuse his adoration. He accepted it because he knows that he is God the Son, the second person of the Trinitarian God. And Jesus came in the flesh, in human form, to reveal us the kind of God we have, the kind of God we worship. He is a God who is with us, and He is the God who is for us. You see, our God is not a distant God somewhere out there, a God who is distant, who cannot empathize with us, who cannot understand us. But Jesus is a God who is with us. He is with us in our pain. He is with us in our suffering. And that is why he went to the cross. And Jesus will never abandon us. And Jesus is a God who is for us. He gave his life for us so that we are restored to peace with God. Peace with God brings healing that we need. Healing of our confusion, healing of our brokenness in this world. Peace with God means we have the confidence to approach God, to approach His throne of grace in time of our need. And peace with God means that we will pass from judgment to eternal life in a new world to come. And so if Jesus is indeed Lord and God, we must believe in Him. But if we cannot see Him physically, can we still believe in Him? Some people may ask. Well, the answer is yes. In fact, Jesus says that a time will come when there will be people who believe in Him without seeing Him, and they will be blessed. And so this is the fourth feature of the mission Jesus gives His disciples. We must know that people will be blessed as they come to believe in Jesus without ever seeing Jesus physically. So, so look at verse 29. After Thomas has worshipped the risen Jesus, Jesus tells Thomas this, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now, Jesus knows that after his ascension to the Father, no one will then be able to see him physically. And that does not mean people will stop believing in Jesus. No, people will still come to faith in Jesus. How? Through the testimony of Scripture, the Word of God. Scripture is God's Word. The testimony is true. And Scripture, God's Word, is powerful. Now, you and I today, or none of us here, believed in Jesus because we saw Jesus physically. Yet, we came to faith. How? 
How did we come to faith? Yes, through the testimony of the Word of God, didn't we? We read Scripture, or people point us to Scripture, we read it for ourselves, and we trusted what it says about Jesus. And so we see Jesus with the eyes of faith in Scripture. And that is the very purpose that the Apostle John wrote his Gospel account. Look at verse 31. John says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John's purpose of recording the life of Jesus and his miracles is so that people will come to believe with their eyes of faith that Jesus is God in the flesh who has come as the Messiah to our sins. And by believing in Jesus, we have the blessing of eternal life. So brothers and sisters, the resurrection of Jesus is true. The resurrection of Jesus is good news to us. And if we believe in the resurrection, the reason Jesus is sending you and sending me into mission Mission to share the gospel of peace with our family and with our friends. It is not an impossible mission. It will be an incredible mission. An incredible mission. Incredible because you will see the power of God's word. The power of God's word at work to raise the spiritually dead to be spiritually alive. You will see God's word at work to change sinners into saints. And you will see the power of the word of God to transform broken people into new people. All because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Let us pray. Father God, please grant to us the eyes to see and the hearts to confess that Jesus is Lord and God. And as we put our trust in Jesus, may we receive the eternal life that Christ came to give us. We thank you that in Christ, the new creation has come and help us to be the new people you want us to be. And may you give us the boldness to go on the mission to proclaim the gospel of peace so that our family and friends can hear and receive the forgiveness of their sins and enjoy the peace that you give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.